All right, everybody. Well, welcome to another episode of How to Be a Texan. How you doing, Kevin? Doing good. How are you? Well, we got a special one today. We're going to talk about a Texas legend. You know who we're going to talk about today? Uh, sounds like George Strait. <laughs> you got that right, man. <laughs> you mean George, a Texas legend or the Texas legend? King of country music, George Strait. And I wanted to honor George today. He's still with us. He's not dead. <laughs> so, anyway. so you're writing an obituary. Shout out to George, baby. <laughs> anyway, hey, you know what? He's coming back. I just heard he's going to concert in Vegas. Straight to Vegas. Oh, yeah. I heard that, too. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's going to do like a Celine Dion or Garth Brooks. Yeah, hang out there for a while. Might as well. Yeah. Give him kind of a billion dollars or whatever just to go play three or four shows. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so the, the purpose of talking about George Strait today is, again, uh, if you're going to be a Texan, if you already are a Texan, if you're a millennial man bun who is a Texan and has no idea who George Strait is, it's time to get educated. Millennial man bun. Yeah, seriously, there's probably a lot of those. <laughs> if I ask my twins who don't have a man bun yet, but they're probably destined to have one, I'd be like, hey, dudes, do you know who George Strait is? Do you they think, wouldn't know. Do you think Luke and Cole would know who George Strait was? I no. think they should. No, they don't. Not at all. Even though it's That's on a all parenting my fail. It's on all my mixes. <laughs> I've heard. I've been listening to it since I was eight. You know. Sammy knows who George yeah. Strait, but she's... I raised my kids right around here. Yeah, I know who doing? George Strait is. And Andrew's with us today. And we finally got Andrew on a mic. Andrew's phenomenal. But I, Andrew, you're a Renaissance man. You know, you know a lot of things. I wouldn't say I'm a renaissance man. Yeah. Renaissance man. Yeah. So, okay. So t today I thought we'd just visit about George Strait and just kind of relish what George has meant to at least you and I, Kevin, because growing up, you couldn't help but just, you know, you either love him or hate him or somewhere in between. But I didn't uh, know anybody that hated him. You know, I didn't either. There, He, he, he was just straightforward, no pun intended, but he was just just right at you, and he was really attributed as uh, bringing true country music back in the early 80s. Yeah. Because it was really going off the rails in the early 80s towards pop. And, of course, now we get this bro country and all this junk that's out Broke. there now. Right. It is. It's like, come on! Yeah. I mean, listen to a, a bro country song nowadays yep. and see how many come-ons you're going to get in that song. Yep. <laughs> I mean, literally. <laughs> it's like 10 per bro country song. So drives me crazy. I immediately, it's like the laugh track. I turn immediately off when I hear the, come on, the laugh track. Like that. <sighs> I, I love it that you brought, <laughs> you're integrating some of my favorite things in life. <laughs> okay. That would be Gosh. SpongeBob. That was actually a recording of Cole and Luke Kirkpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> and three minutes in, and the show's already off the rails. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just okay. like country music in the '80s. Back on topic. Well, yeah, and even before the early '80s stuff too. The whole Nashville thing, like in the '70s, that was just bad. It was bad. I mean, there were some good artists and good well, music, yeah, but the whole production was just overproduced. Yeah, well, and the big hair with Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn yeah, and all that, and yeah. Grand Old Opry was just seems like it was. And who's that little bitty short guy that they had on the Grand Old Opry? Remember oh, that guy? Oh, I do. Anyway, I do. that was a big scene. And I remember watching it on TV, and 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 so the the hist my personal history is, you know, I don't know. It's a winding road with country music, but my it was mainly all attributed to my dad, 
And so again, this goes back and forth to all these road trips that we had back and forth to Oklahoma. Uh, so I had three or four hours in the car about every fourth or fifth weekend to go up and take care of my grandmother in Oklahoma. And we had the eight tracks going mm-hmm. left and right. And I still, <laughs> I still don't understand the eight tracks. You said you can't. No, we talked reverse. about that one time. Didn't we? Yeah. But <laughs> something about skipping over dual tracks. I have no idea. I just kept going and, and, and dad would just say, flip it over. And we just keep going. You so, don't flip over an eight track. That was a cassette. I still don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so dad had all these Hank Thompson, um, you know, the, some of the kind of the original ones. And then there was a guy named Jim Moore that, uh, no, 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 it wasn't Jim Moore. It was uh, Jim, um, Reeves, Jim Reeves. I'm sorry. And if, if y'all haven't ever heard of Jim Reeves, you ought to go back and iTunes it or whatever. Jim Reeves had one of the smoothest country voices mm-hmm. I've I remember heard in my life. Yeah. And it was just beautiful. My dad loved it. And he loved the kind of the old timey, uh, country singers like, for example, Hank Thompson. Um, but, and then, um, what's his face? Hank Sr. You know, he actually, oh, yeah. yeah, he actually loved Hank Sr. Oh yeah. I grew up um, with that too. But, but then... Here's a little Jim Reeves for you. He was very clean cut. Very clean cut. This was very 50s and mm-hmm. 60s. I love there you, go. you because you understand oh, yeah. Like butter. Just very mm-hmm. smooth. Very smooth. So imagine very. trying to stay awake as an eight-year-old mm-hmm. in the car listening to that. <laughs> But that okay. was more that overproduced kind of sound, you know? Yeah, but I mean, that's yeah, a... But you're right. George Street came in and just kind of said... That's a smooth tone. Enough and, of that. So, yeah, George, and, and I went to see him. So, in the 80s, I was a young, you know, I was middle school, getting into high school. And uh, I remember going to see uh, George Strait in concert a couple of different times, you know, during those early 80s. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing was when, you know, now you see these concerts where it's lights and it's crazy entertainment and it's all about the experience. And George would just literally walk out on stage, pick up his guitar, and he would sing for three hours. Mm-hmm. And he had the whole cowboy look, the boots mm-hmm. and the cowboy hat. And he would just stand there and sing to you for three hours. Yeah. And it was, I mean, everybody was just blown away because it was so awesome. Generally because all the songs were all number ones. You know, mm-hmm. he had 60 number one hits, um, which kind of blows all the other country artists away. So mm-hmm. he really is seen, you know, as kind of the king of, of country music. Yeah. So, but the, the thing. Until Garth. I think Garth. I think so. I he kind of passed the torch over to Garth well, Brooks. He, he Garth did. came later. He did, and Garth, you know, he he kind of gets this. I don't know. He's the one that turned it into a big circus production. He like did because I remember seeing Garth in concert the first time, and he was kind of swinging off stuff, and mm-hmm. he made it a huge, huge, huge production production yeah. where it was much more of a kind of an experience, mm-hmm. you know, and. I do remember one cool thing about Garth. I went to one of his concerts, and it was, it was a three-and-a-half-hour show. And I remember he didn't go off stage at all. He's like, hey, I'm going to let the band go and take a break. And he just went acoustic for yeah. a half hour. Yeah. Okay, so that was actually really cool. That's cool stuff. But, uh, but I go- saw him about five, six years ago. Ken and I went and oh, Garth? Garth, yeah. I've never seen George Strait. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'd love I to have. Too. No, it was, it was great. I mean, but it was... <clears throat> It was kind of boring in that 
you weren't seeing a guy fly around and throw stuff at you or any. It was just <laughs> stuff he literally just stood there and played his guitar. And then he kind of talked to you about some of the genesis of the lyrics of the song mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, but that was it. I mean, and, and maybe every once in a while he'd invite somebody out on stage to sing a song with them or something. But it was very pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I think I love that. But uh, the, the one thing that my dad always – I just loved about my dad and his love for George Strait when George came on the scene was – my dad, you know, he's this old oaky guy, and he was just, it didn't, it took a lot to kind of get him tickled. But his favorite song out of George Strait was the song called The Chair. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've got any lyrics on that, but the lyrics themselves were just extremely clever. And so the setup of this song is it's kind of fun where, where it's just the it, two people at a bar, mm-hmm. and this guy comes up to this lady. And so this is it. This is kind of, he's he's just kind of talking through with this lady. I think, hey, you know, you, you accidentally sat in my chair. Mm-hmm. No big deal. But uh, And he's being real polite and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a come on the whole way. <laughs> he and my dad just would giggle. He's like, hey, boy, listen to the whole way through. And because at the end, he says, you know what? That really wasn't in my chair after all. I was just teasing. I just wanted to talk to you. Yeah, this part. Yeah. Later on, I could drive you home. No, I don't mind at all. Oh, I like it too. And to tell you the truth, that wasn't my chair after all. Oh, my gosh. My dad would just giggle at that. He just thought that was so clever that this guy had this pickup line of telling this this young lady that 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 he he got his chair and he didn't mind he just shared the and table. Three hours with her. later, oh yeah, I was just making that up. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't speak to overall integrity very much, I don't think. But but anyway, my oh my gosh, my dad got the biggest giggle out of that, and and of course that passed on to me. It was very contagious. But but that's the one thing I liked about George was just his lyrics. Uh, I thought were really clever, and I still think it's kind of like Seinfeld. You know, <laughs> Seinfeld still holds today. Yeah, you know the scripts are clever. You know the stuff that they came up with was original, and and it holds today. I still giggle at that, and I know you and your boys still have memorized everything. <laughs> and just like I, I dated myself the other day by saying that Amy and I still watch Friends at night, you know, because it's <laughs> just such a giggler, and that dated that dated us both pretty bad. But uh, George Strait's lyrics I thought were really good. So the chair. Uh, oceanfront property, and then all, and of course, one of my favorites is all my exes live in Texas. And again, it just speaks to kind of the clever lyrics, funny. And uh, if y'all don't know this song, I'd invite you just to kind of study the the lyrics a little bit. So in that, uh, he goes a real tour around Texas. (laughs) Hold on, I'll let you listen to this Mm -hmm. and then I'll head on it. Yeah, he's got to get into the verse. Right. That's when he starts naming all the names and all the different places. Oh, yeah, that's what's funny. So he's talking about Rosanna and Texarkana, uh-huh. Sweet Eileen and Abilene, Allison Galveston, and Dimples. Who's Dimples? I don't know, but Dimples and Temple. 
<laughs> and he's got the law looking for me. Yeah. Rosanna in Texarkana wanted me to push her broom. <laughs> yeah. So he just Sweet keeps... Eileen and Abilene forgot that I hung the moon. Oh yeah. Lost her <laughs> and lost her sanity. Now I know that this is a George Strait episode, but I have to throw this in there if we're gonna be talking about this. But there's actually a song. Can I see that? Yeah. It's actually a song no, the cable. Oh. A song that Willie wrote in 68 called Who Put All My Exes in Texas. Oh. oh. So that was in 68. I wonder when All My Exes from George Street came out. So this is Willie Nelson from... This album's actually really good. I have this saved on my Spotify because it's a really good album called Texas In My Soul, and it's all Texas songs. I do love Willie. So here's this. It's a funky little song. Right. Begins a very Texas sound. This is a Texas country sound. George Strait had a lot of this sound too. All that nice twang. That's That's cool. That's great that they basically had identical types of songs. Yeah. But all my exes live in Texas, and therefore my hat sits in Tennessee. And then (laughs) Willie, Willie, Willie went the other way with it. So anyway, so that's good. And you know, the interesting thing was, as I watched those two, it seemed like Willie had such a unique style, and George had such a unique, different style that they, you know, maybe they competed, but I. I don't think they did. No, I really never. I think by the time George was around, Willie was already down in Austin doing yeah. the, uh, you know, the Austin thing at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even in the '80s, I mean, we had some, you know, we had some great Willie songs mm-hmm. all during kind of the King George era. That's true. That's true. So, but the Highwaymen and all that had kind of come and gone, brought before George really hit the scene in my mind. Uh, with with Waylon and Willie and George, and, I'm sorry, and uh, Chris Christopherson and um, who was the fourth highwayman? Why am I blanking on that? Waylon, Willie, Hank, and Chris Christopherson. Those four. That's it. Got it. So anyway, um, I just I get a kick out of of uh, George Strait songs just because mm-hmm. of the cleverness and. And, and you know, and again, you know, you go to the the third one that I I kind of highlighted was the oceanfront property. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just kind of fun, clever. You, you know, you, you most of the time when you're listening to music, you really don't think about that. You don't, you know, you don't really absorb the lyrics. But if you do, you, you kind of have to appreciate, you know, the the poetry and the in, intelligence mm-hmm. of, of the lyrics. And, and I always like that. So one thing I like about his sound is that it is is definitely true to Texas. Oh right? yeah, it's different than the Nashville sound, right? And like um, you know the old Texas swing stuff, like here's San Antonio Rose by Bob Wills. Well, and he and you'll hear kind of a yeah, and he honored all that. He yeah. honored all the Bob Wills, the sound, and he right. He kind of played over all a lot of that. You know, you can kind of hear that song and that wow. sound in the George Strait stuff, which oh, yeah. was done decades he, later. He had, he this is a, from the 1940s. Right, and he had a ton of that steel guitar in there, and 
He loved it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. And and the other thing he played, he played one of my boys and my favorite songs is Big Balls uh, in Cowtown. <laughs> and uh, that was a Bob Wills song that George Strait played again, and uh, sounds fantastic. So, if you've never heard uh, "Big Balls in Cowtown," um, we're again. about to hear it. Oh right man, now. it is just a fun, fun song. Um, that anyway, we we enjoy by Bob Bob Wills as well. I mean, it's a great song by him. And um, believe- we'll pull this up here. Um, hmm. Here we go. Let's check this one out. This is George, not Bob Wills. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know the original. Bob Wills was actually the guy playing the fiddle. He wasn't the guy singing. Yeah, that's the amazing thing. Yeah. Bob Wills would kind of be sitting out there, kind of doing his little country kind of swing yeah. dance. Yeah, and, and playing, uh, playing fiddle. the fiddle, and then uh-huh. they they brought just some weird singer <laughs> in, and he was the guy singing it. Some random dude. Yeah. So that's the George Strait version. I wonder what the Bob Wills version sounds oh, it's, like. It's a good one. It's a good Go one. Side by side comparison here. So yeah. So, um, but I tell you what, a funny story because my dad always wanted me to play the guitar, and I know you guys can play the snot out of it. We'll tickle the fret a little one. bit. <laughs> yeah. So that's Bob Wills doing all that goofy talking. No, no, no. Oh, he's doing he's that talking, talking and. So he's just goofy. <laughs> and then you get the singer. The real singers come in. <laughs> that is awesome. But anyway, George loved all that Bob Wills stuff, and he played a lot of the, the Bob Wills uh, old, old-timey songs. Mm-hmm. But anyway, going back to the, the guitar, my dad always wanted me to be able to play the guitar. And, um, and Chet Atkins was his absolute favorite guitarist ever. Oh, he's one of the best ever. Yeah. yeah. And so Chet was playing in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, mm-hmm. and I think he may have died in the 80s or whatever, but uh, he was amazing. And um, one of my dad's favorite songs that Chet Atkins played was a song called The Wildwood Flower. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just a real classic kind of old country. I know that song. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, it's kind of a country bluesy type, just cool country song. Here it is. Yeah. So my dad loved, loved, loved this song. Man, you're amazing. I find these songs. You know where this song comes from Uh, is the Carter family. Oh, no. I didn't know that. Mother Maybell Carter uh, played guitar. And wrote a bunch of the old, old, old schools. This was like in the 30s, I think. And she had a real unique style where she'd play the bass line with oh. her thumb and yeah. stuff like that. Well, the funny so this th- is a classic from the Carter so, family. So the funny thing about this was I took guitar lessons when I was about eight years old from a Irving police detective, uh, Detective Billy Davis. Mm-hmm. And my dad said to me on my first lesson as he dropped me off to, to Billy Davis's house in, in South Irving, he said, uh, Kyle, if you learn how to play the Wildwood Flower, I'll buy you a guitar. Nice. And I went in and I told Billy Davis that, and he taught me how to play that in an hour. <laughs> I came, and Dad came in to pick me up, and uh, and I said, Dad, I got something to show you. And sit down. And so, sure enough, I I figured out how to pick out the Wildwood Flower. That is and awesome. And so he bought you a guitar. He had to buy me this little bitty guitar because I could just yeah. barely hold it. But oh man, I'm so proud of that. So here's the original. This is from the Carter family. You'll like it if you've never heard it. Uh, 
that's it. So she would play the low notes while she was also strumming the high stuff at the same oh, yeah. time. That's one guitar. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's really no, 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 a pioneer. It's, it's good. It's good. So, um, yeah. So, did you sing it like this, too? I, I did. I kind of crooned it a little bit, and then I ended with some yodeling. So. It's always good to end with yodeling. Well, you I can think, end any event with yodeling. Well, I might end this with a little. <laughs> I'd love to hear a little sound of music yodeling. You know, I would love to hear. So, uh, so anyway, George Strait was he it was and is. I still appreciate it. Uh, Kevin, you were playing a, a song a little while ago uh, called "Run" by mm-hmm. George Strait, and I was telling you that that's on my run mix. Like if I, when I go jogging, it's probably my fifth song in is run just because I just like the flow of the song and kind of as I'm jogging or whatever, I just feel good about the way, you know, it mm-hmm. kind of keeps me going. And anyway, so I, I love George Strait and I always have, and I'm, I'm tickled that he's going to come back and play a few shows in Vegas or whatever. Yeah. I'd like to go see that. I never got to see him. So I kind of feel like I missed out on that. Well, uh, don't expect so. a lot, you know, all the theatrics and fireworks. I don't care and all about that. that. I don't care that about that. That dude throws a, some Let boots on, yeah. you know, he puts a cowboy hat on, <laughs> he stands there and he sings you 20 songs. That's, <laughs> That's it. Good. That's good. <laughs> so, yeah. So he was born in Poteet, Texas. Poteet. Poteet. Man, that's legit. Small town. Looks like it's down around Austin area, maybe. All right. Central, South Texas. Well, yeah, I just remember when I was in grad school, everybody said, oh, well, George Strait lives over in the Dominion. And he, and that's in northwest uh, uh, San Antonio. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he landed over there. Yeah. And, he, and he's been there a long, long, yeah. long time. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know if he's still in the Dominion or not, but it's a really, really nice neighborhood in northwest San Antonio. He's probably got some big ranch way out in the sticks now, but uh, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, thanks for listening to my. Wait uh, a second. What? What's going on on the ranch? Oh yeah, I do have a bit of a ranch update. <laughs> so, so, what do we got going on? So tomorrow, we got mucho macho coming, and so mucho macho is a bull. And uh, we've got this crazy big bull coming over to the house for about a two-month stay. Nice. Yeah, so we've... Uh, and it's coming to Kathy and Patrick. What's its name again? It's Mucho Macho. Mucho Macho. <laughs> That's my nickname for it. It's a very proud, beautiful, um, you know, giant black Angus bull. Nice. Uh, it's a little intimidating. But, <laughs> but uh, regardless, my Alice and Vera are ready. Um, and, uh, they're my two Angus cows and then, uh, Kathy and and Patrick, they've got, they've got a, a gaggle of other cows ready to. Now, have you separated the babies from the moms yet? No, they stay with them and the bull just leaves them alone. How long, but when will you separate those? Uh, in a couple, couple more months that we'll start weaning them off. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's the, the, the big exciting news. And then. And then on the B front, I will tell you, uh, one of my, a couple of my buddies uh, down in Houston, uh, Dr. Buck and Dr. Middlebrook, they were kind enough to accept from me a bee swarm trap. And now, so Cole and I, one of my twins, have this bet. I've got a $20 bet with him that uh, I'm going to catch four bee swarms this summer. And so I'm going to put these traps all over North Texas and all around Houston, and I'm going to try to catch four four live swarms. And so otherwise, I owe him twenty bucks. So but if you catch it, then he owes you twenty bucks. If I catch at least four, he owes me twenty bucks. So your goal is to make your 
14 year old son pay you 20 bucks that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's pretty much well it's it's more than that i mean think about it i'm gonna get f- at least four swarms that i'm gonna you know now make my own hobby. <clears throat> your buddies down in houston are they be people too no but they nope. got they've got land and so it's awesome so matter so of fact if I, they put the trap out there how does it how does it work unless they can go catch the bees for you well it's the the trap is it's it, it's it's going to do its own job so it's built based on there's this book called the honeybee Dem- democracy um and it's basically 70 years of research of when beehive swarm here's exactly what they look for the characteristics of the host cavity of generally a tree a hollow tree and it's got so many cubic inches and it's got these features and all that you build these boxes exactly to those attributes and then you put this lemongrass oil on the holes and that mimics the scent of a queen oh a queen uh, smells like lemongrass the the smell is amazingly similar And so then I've got these Q-tips, and I've, I've kind of dubbed this lemongrass oil around the entrances, and then I've just thrown them inside, and there's all these frames, and they're ready for them to be caught. So Dr. Buck sent me a, a picture a little while ago, and he's got it hung on just the backside of this really cool, pretty pond. We're going to kill them. I'm gonna now, when they go in, they can't get back out? Oh, no. There's, there's big holes just like a regular hive. So I've got, I've got so two holes So if there's no queen side. in there, why do they stay? So the beautiful thing about the hive is... The swarm needs to go, and so they've outgrown their current place. They decide to swarm. For about four days, they'll sit out there, and they'll hang on a branch in a ball. And during that time, they're sending about 300 uh, scouts out all over about a five-mile radius. Those scouts are going out, and they do this amazing dance over the actual ball of the hive in the direction of where they've found the future home. And eventually they get the other scouts, the other 300 scouts to go check it out, come back. And that's why it's called the honeybee democracy. so cool. I'm telling you, it is amazing. (laughs) And eventually, eventually one scout will convince all 300 or so scouts and they all start doing the dance. And then they trigger the hive or the ball. They trigger the swarm to move to that new home. And then they all just get in that home, and then they start immediately building out comb. And so the and queen's in the middle of that swarm. She's in the middle of that ball. Gotcha. And so it's uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, first of all, if you ever want to read a good book called The Honey Bee Democracy, it's a lot of research, but for a nerd like me, it's terribly interesting. And I've actually used it in business context, too, about how to get to a, a decision. And frankly, it goes back to the, uh, the blockchain. <laughs> I, I still believe there's. it all goes back to blockchain. So this whole Bitcoin and blockchain and all that, read the honey, honeybee democracy because it's all the common good and the decision of the, the hmm. whole. Interesting. Says the truth. <laughs> Everything Wiki- goes back to blockchain. Eh, that and Wikipedia. <laughs> and Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So those are my two updates, uh, uh, updates this week. And then we got uh, rodeo finals this weekend, so we're totally fired awesome. up about that. So, but anyway... All right. Well, hey, I appreciate y'all uh, kind of honoring George Strait with me. I I just love the guy, and again, he's you know it, it's part of Texas, um, you know, just the history of Texas. Uh, you know, we're a big country music place, and uh, and again, he's kind of the king of country music. We got so many people nowadays, so, so many of these young artists in Austin and. 
and all these others that you know really can attribute a lot of their country music taste to to the king of country music George mm-hmm. I agree so anyway. I agree this was a fun one yeah no, I love listening to him. So we'll a uh, true legit Texas legend, man. The Texas legend, maybe. There you go. All right. Well, more to come on that. All right. Well, you guys have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Adios. Crabs in there.